Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Jesus has been making some fantastic Claims, if you've been with us in John chapter 8, you know that Jesus has been making some fantastic claims about himself concerning his deity. And I told you last week that on every page, in every incident, in every chapter, you hear Jesus claiming to be the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. We've heard it so many times, it's ringing in our ears and we can't turn it off. As I'm reading chapter 8, Jesus is taking on the religious leaders. And yesterday, I just started from verse 1 in chapter 8 and just read it through just to refresh myself. And uh, as you read it, the whole chapter seems like an, an argument between the Jewish leaders and Jesus, and they're just going back and forth and and as I was reading that, and I don't know why, I thought of um, when I was a kid in Philadelphia. I grew up in Philadelphia, and uh, where my Philly people at? And uh, <laughs> you have shamed me. <laughs> okay, that's not how we do it, all right? Let's leave it, all right? <laughs> and uh, so... I thought about the time when I was growing up in Philly, and you know what like, you know, we do in Philly, you tell you know, your, your mama jokes, you know, your mama jokes. And you stand on the corner, you like, your, your mama's so tall, you know, she, if she tripped over a rock, she hit her head on the moon. Uh, your mama's so tall, she made Godzilla look like an action figure. Uh, your mama's so old, she has a picture of Moses in her yearbook. Your mama's so old, she knew Burger King when he was still a prince. <laughs> <laughs> well, your mama's so old, she was a waitress at the Last Supper, and uh, I like that one, actually. And so, as we move through chapter 8, they have ridiculed and mocked and laughed and twisted Jesus' words. They have called him a divine disturber. They have claimed that his father is the devil, and Jesus said, no, your father is the devil, my father is God. And they've rejected him so often and so continuously that they can't handle it anymore, and they have to kill him. Chapter 8, as we come to the end of the chapter, the Jewish leaders are at the end of their rope. I've titled this sermon, Whose Child Are You? Part 2. John chapter 8, saints, we pick up in verse 48. John chapter 8, verse 48. If you're looking at verse 48, say amen. Uh, Some of y'all are not looking. If you're looking at verse 48, say amen. Amen. And then the Jews answered and said to him, 
Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never, what saints, see death. Underline that. And then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead in the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. Don't you love Jesus? But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. And then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was what saints? I am. And then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and he went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. Saying, stop right there. Give me your attention. I want you to rewind with me, if you will, to John chapter 8, verse 30. Look at verse 30. And it tells us, as Jesus spoke, many believed in him. So at this point, there are many who are beginning to believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the great healer, the tender forgiver, the loving savior, the miracle worker, and many more things that he was to those who believed. But to the Jewish leaders, to the Pharisees, to the scribes and the other Jews, he was a liar, a fake, a phony, a disruptor, a threat to their hypocritical security. He was a target for their jokes. He was a breaker of the law. He was mocked. He was to be scorned. He was to be ridiculed. He was to be insulted. And then he was to be murdered. Jesus was the brunt of their jokes. Look at verse 22. But not for long. Last week, he destroyed every one of their securities. Remember, they had their security in the fact that they were Jewish. They had their security in the fact that they were of the seed of Abraham. They thought that they were children of Abraham. They thought that they were instant recipients of the covenant. Last week, Jesus made it clear, didn't he? You're not children of Abraham because children of Abraham wouldn't act like you do and reject me, verse 39. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, not only are you not children of Abraham, but you're children of the devil. Now listen, there's something you need to know about Jesus. Jesus, listen, look at me, give me your attention. Jesus is a disturbing person. And what do I mean by that? Jesus is a disturbing person. When you are confronted by Jesus, listen, there is no middle ground. You are left with one or of two reactions. You either fall down on your knees and say, yes, Lord, or you stand flat-footed, full of hatred and anger, and you stand in unbelief, but indifference is not an option. Look at verse 47. He who is of God hears God's word, therefore you do not hear because you are not of God. Literally, that word 
here, the phrase here, hears God's word literally implies he who continues to hear God's word is of God. Therefore, you do not hear God because you are not of God. The problem is they stopped hearing God a long time ago. Look at verse 48. Then the Jews answered and said to him, do we say rightly that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? So let the insults begin. Now, if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know this is probably one of the worst things they could say about Jesus. Why? Glad you asked. Because the Jews despised the Samaritans. Samaritans were considered half-breeds and heretics and social outcasts, ceremonially unclean, racially impure, and to be avoided at all costs. They were considered half-breeds because they intermarried Jews with pagans. They were the worst of the worst, Samaritans were. They were considered enemies of Israel. The Jews thought that they were traitors, the worst kind of people, because they sacrificed their heritage for mixed marriage convenience. The Jews hated the Samaritans. And that's why, if you remember and you know your Bibles, you remember in John chapter 4, Jesus is sitting on the well, at the well, with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, And the disciples walk up and they are shocked that Jesus is even talking to a Samaritan woman because the Jews hated the Samaritans. So to call Jesus a Samaritan is to say, you foe of Israel, you heretic, you enemy of God, you are the worst of the worst, the devil. Keep in mind, you guys, they are talking like this to God. Are you getting that? So here in chapter 8 now, if you're reading and you've been coming along with us, you'll notice that things are getting increasingly intense and increasingly nasty. And the reason they're getting nasty is because they're losing, the Pharisees are losing their intellectual argument. And when someone starts losing their argument, the next thing they start to do is what? They start calling names. So now they're calling him out of his name. You're, you devil-possessed traitor you Samaritan. Another thing people do when they start to lose an argument is they get stupid. Isn't that true? They just, they just get, they get stupid and they say stupid things. For example, they said Jesus was demon-possessed when actually the reverse is true. He was God and they were being controlled by the devil. And now they're confused and switching the truth for a lie. They were so self-righteous and so ignorant that they thought God was Satan and Satan was God. So I sit at my desk yesterday and I'm reading through this and I thought to myself, you know, Jesus is the master of language. Do you know that Jesus does not need Rosetta Stone? (laughs) Please say amen if you knew that. Amen. Okay. I'm I'm a little bit ahead of myself if y'all know that. Okay. Jesus does not need Rosetta Stone. Jesus is the master of all language and Jesus could have responded to them in a number of ways. Jesus could have said, you no good, super pious, devil-possessed, legalistic, know-it-alls. You think you're all that in a bag of chips. He could have responded to them in, in a number of ways because he's a master of language. He could have said many things that Harold insulted them and they would all be true. But look at verse 49. I love it. Jesus said, I do not have a demon. So simple, so profound. I have not a demon. 
Jesus didn't have an ego. He didn't have any hangups that he had to defend himself. Jesus said, I honor my father and you dishonor me. Now listen to me. Listen, to dishonor Jesus is serious business. I need the saints to say amen right there. To dishonor Jesus is serious business. Jesus said, I don't have a demon. I honor God. I'm not serving demons. I'm serving God. And when you dishonor me, you are in effect dishonoring God. And when you heap blasphemous insults at me, you're heaping blasphemous insults at God the Father, whom you claim is your father. That's a dig on Jesus' part. Now look at John chapter 8, verse 42. Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. I want you to hold your finger there and go with me to John chapter 5, verse 23. Y'all keeping up with me? Say amen. Look at, look at John chapter 5, verse 23. In verse 23, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. Did you get that? Same principle, different angle. You do not honor God unless you honor Christ. You do not honor God unless you, unless you know Christ. You do not love God unless you love Christ. And the same is true concerning the Father. Jesus says, I don't have a demon. I honor God. But by dishonoring me, you're dishonoring God the Father. And you're operating under Satan's control. Go back to chapter 8. Look at verse 44. Jesus said, you are of your father. Who? The devil. Jesus is smart. He masterfully pointed out, you're the ones being controlled by demons. He's the one who's honoring God. And they're proving they're under demonic control by dishonoring the one whom God honors, Christ. I love it. Look at verse 50. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Jesus says, in effect, I don't need to defend myself because there is one who is behind me seeking my glory. He will judge who is to be glorified. I'm not seeking my own glory. The Father is going to take care of that. Over and over in the scriptures, search the scriptures, you see that Jesus, the Father, took care of Jesus, making sure that Jesus got the glory that was due his name. Over and over. Fast forward nine chapters. John chapter 17, verse 5. Don't turn there. Just listen. Jesus said, Father, I have finished the work you sent me to do, and Father, Glorify me together with yourself, with the glory I had with you before the world began. Acts chapter 10, verse 36. Peter said, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, and verse 9 through 11 tells us this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not think it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, I have it for you on the screen. Y'all come on, read it with me. You're too quiet for me. Read it with me. Therefore, God, listen, it's on the screen. Everybody read it with me, okay? It's right there. Read it with me. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess what? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're talking about the Father exalting and glorifying Jesus. Write this down. Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. 
These will make war with the lamb, that's Jesus, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of all and the king of kings, and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Write this down. Revelation 19, 16. I got it for you on the screen, as a matter of fact. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. And somebody tell me what his name is. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I could go on and on and on showing you how God took care of Jesus' glory among men. And Jesus said, I don't need to be concerned with that. The Father will do it. Therefore, Jesus is saying, I don't need your honor, but you need to honor me because if you don't, the consequences are tragic. Look at verse 51. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Now, if you read the New King Jimmy, it says, most assuredly, I say to you. If you read the King Jimmy, it says, verily, verily. Am I right about it? If you read the NASB, it says, truly, truly. If you're reading the NIV, the New International Version, or what I call the Nearly Inspired Version, you're, it says, verily, truly. Now, that's interesting. I don't know why it says that, but we'll leave that alone. Verily, truly. It means, if you're taking notes, amen, amen, seriously, solemnly, truthfully, emphatically. Jesus says, amen, Amen. If anyone keeps my word, Logos, are you with me? Are you with me? He shall never, what? See death. Now listen, this is one of the most amazing truths. Look, look at me. Please look at me. This is one of the most amazing truths I have ever discovered in all of my 25 plus years of teaching the Bible. Somebody once said, I think it was D.L. Moody, that said that God's word is deep enough for a theologian to drown in and shallow enough for a baby to swim in. And that is so true. In other words, every time you go to God's word, y'all listen to me. Every time you go to God's word, there's something else. You see something different. Am I right about it? You just see something different. And every single time, every time, that's what they call the living Bible. Because it's living. It's not like Harlequin romance. You read Harlequin Romance, you can get that book away. Because ain't but so much romance, you're going to get out of a book. Amen. <laughs> I'm working here, people. Wait. <laughs> but this book is like no other book because this book is living. So every time you read this book, I'm waiting while you clap your hands. So every time you read this book, you get something different. Okay, so. I'm reading this, and I'm reading this, this verse, and Jesus said, if you keep his word, you will never see death. Now, question, is he saying you will never die and never leave this earth? Okay, I need a better note than that. Oh, my goodness gracious. Because why? Because someday every single person, every single one of us will die and leave this earth. Understand something here. The key to unlock this verse is in the word see. Listen, the word see, and if you're taking notes, please write this down. The word see means to experience or to 
intently discern, to experience or to intently discern. It means to look with understanding and experience the total thing that you are involved in. It's not just a glancing thing or taking a peek. It means to see something and experience that something. I'm going to say it again. The word see means to experience or to intently discern. It means to look with understanding and experience the thing that you are totally involved in. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. It's not just a glancing thing. It's not just a taking a peek. It means to see something, to experience that something. Jesus says, if a man obeys my word, believes in me, all of it, he'll never experience all that death is. Are you with me? Simply this verse means you'll never experience death. If you're a Christian, now I'm only talking to Christians here. If you are a Christian, you will never experience death. I'm telling you, I was reading this yesterday, and this, this blew me away. Just blew me away. I couldn't get my mind around it. I had to stop what I was doing, get up and go back. I went, got, went back in my floors. I had to just do something because I had to get my head around this. For example, you go to bed, and you go to sleep, and then you wake up. And you don't know you're sleeping until you wake up, yes? Yes. You don't experience sleep. Sleep is a non-essential activity. You're there the whole time, but all you know is when you wake up. You go to bed, and then the next thing you know, you're awake. You don't know when you're asleep. You don't experience sleep. The Bible teaches someday you will Christians, you're going to love this. Christians, someday we fall asleep. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Christians die. Christians do not die. I'm waiting while somebody clap your hands. Christians do not die. We fall asleep. You experience life over here, and then you experience life over there. But there is no experience in the middle. So think about it. For the Christian, we are fearing death for no reason because for the Christian, there is no death. For the Christian, we fall asleep. Just like when you fall asleep at night. Somebody say amen. Just like when you fall asleep at night, you just sleep. You're not involved in it. Not unless your wife nudges you and tells you you're snoring too loud, turn over. But other than that, you're not involved in it. God is involved in it, say amen. But you're not, you're just sleep. And then when you wake up, you go, oh, whew. Right, some of y'all, right? I don't know how you wake up. Some of y'all, I don't know, whatever. But for the Christian, we just sleep. For those of you, encouragement. For those of you that have uh, mothers and grandmothers and grandfathers who knew Jesus and cousins and uncles and, and maybe you had a child and your child passed away after so many years, listen, 
I, I, re I really believe this. I, I, I just believe in the grace and the mercy and the love and the understanding of God that if a person loses a baby, a baby that had not had an opportunity to really understand or give his life to Christ, I really believe there's grace and mercy for that baby. That baby's in heaven with Jesus. I really believe that. I, I just do. And, and because, because that's consistent with the God we love, is there a chapter and verse for that? No. And do not come up to me after service and try to tell me, oh, well, let's go to Forget it, okay? There's no chapter and verse for I'm just telling you this is consistent with the God we love. But to the, 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 the grandfather and the grandmother who loved Jesus and the father and the mother who loved Jesus, they didn't die. They fell asleep. They didn't die. They moved. They moved from here to there. That's it. That's it. They, and they didn't even know it. Woo. I'm getting happy preaching myself. I don't know if y'all getting anything out of this. I'm happy. Jesus is saying, listen, if you know me, death is nothing. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.